Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. You can find out more by visiting the website johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. You can find out more by visiting the website lifeinnaples.net. We have terrific guests for today's show, including William Yateman. He is a research fellow at the Cato Institute. We'll be talking about what's going on with regard to the president's challenge to the election results in various states. Peter Wood uh, is the author of a terrific new book. It's uh, The 1620 Project. It's 1620. Let me get the book right here in front of me. A Critical Response to the 1619 Project. I read the book, and I really enjoyed it. Look forward to that discussion. So we'll visit with Peter Wood. Also, Byron Donalds, our newly elected representative here, uh, U.S. representative, and Dave Bigo, the author of The Devil at Our Doorstep. It is November the 20th, and on this day in 1945, 24 high-ranking Nazis went on trial in Nuremberg, Germany, for atrocities committed during the Second World War. The Nuremberg trials were conducted by an international tribunal made up of representatives from the United States, the Soviet Union, France, and Great Britain. It was the first trial of its kind in history, and the defendants faced charges ranging from crimes against peace to crimes of war to crimes against humanity. Lord Justice Jeffrey Lawrence, the British member, presided over the proceedings, which lasted 10 months and consisted of 216 court sessions. On October 1, 1946, 12 architects of Nazi policy were sentenced to death. Seven others were sentenced to prison terms, ranging from 10 years to life, and three were acquitted. Of the original 24 defendants, one, Robert Lee, committed suicide while in prison, and another, Gustav Krupp uh, von Bolen, und Holnick was uh, deemed mentally and physically incompetent to stand trial. On October the 16th, 10 of the architects of Nancy policy were hanged. Goring, who in a sense was called the uh, fleeting war aggressor and creator of the op- oppressive program against the Jews, committed suicide by poison on the eve of his scheduled execution. Nazi Party leader Martin Broman was uh, condemned to death in absentia, but was now believed to have died in May 1945. Trials of lesser German and Axis war criminals continued in Germany until the 1950s and resulted in the conviction of 5,025 other defendants and execution of 806. The awful, atrocious, warm crimes of the Second World War by the Nazis. Uh, Justice, great to see. Well, the Federal Department, Florida Department of Health reported 139 new cases of COVID-19 and one additional death in Cuyahoga County. Yesterday, there were 68 COVID-19 patients in Collier County hospitals. So by no means being overwhelmed right now, and that's the only statistic right now, uh, all the press is focusing on the increased number of cases. Well, the real issue is the, uh, you know, taking care of people's health and the healthcare system. So uh, we don't know if this is, uh, this strain of virus right now is more severe, perhaps contagious, but not as uh, deadly but uh, we should, we've got th- something to watch that with, and that's the uh, number of people in the hospital because of COVID-19. Dr. Michael Osterholm, a member of the former Vice President Joe Biden's Corona Task Force, predicted on Thursday that hospitals will be collapsing in the next two to three weeks due to spikes in coronavirus cases across the country. Uh, protect us, dear God, from these purveyors of fear. Not sure they even care about your health or well-being. It's all about power, isn't it? In just my opinion. I don't know if you heard uh, yesterday's show, but if you haven't, I encourage you to listen. Uh, I played a tape from top Canadian pathologist, Dr. Roger Hodkinson. He told the Alberta government officials that the current coronavirus crisis is the greatest hoax ever perpetrated on an unsuspecting public. He said that nothing could be done to stop the spread of the virus besides protecting older people and more vulnerable people, and that the whole situation represented politics playing medicine. And that's a very dangerous game. I agree with that. And uh, I'm trying to social distance and uh, do the other things to keep ourselves safe and protect our neighbors. But uh, this is, we need to keep the society going. Don't close it down. And when, uh, if Joe Biden got in office, I think that's exactly what he'd do. 
Now, our own governor, Ron DeSantis, provided reassuring words uh, regarding Florida's COVID-19 vaccine distribution and his plan and what's going to be available for the virus. Florida is prepared to distribute vaccines pending approval from the U.S. Food and Drug Administration, the FDA. And apparently that approval is pending today. That would be great. So the first thing he pointed out is there's a new therapeutic developed by Eli Lilly. And it's approved for emergency use by the FDA. Now, this is good news for people that might be elderly or have high risk of severe complications. It's uh, delivered by IV at the hospital. And uh, so uh, the governor is saying this is available right now. Uh, in first of all, that the clinical trials found that 70% reduction in hospitalized patients who utilize the treatment and uh, doses are already being uh, delivered uh, to hospitals across the state of Florida. In addition to that, he said the new vaccine has been particularly heartening in actively planning and preparing for vaccine distribution. And uh, what he spelled out is these, these, uh, this distribution plan is currently in place. He said we purchased 5 million syringes, 5 million needles, and 5 million alcohol swabs. We're all set. And uh, he's got a distribution plan that will get uh, this stuff out to well, all the uh, pharmacies and places that it needs to be, and especially the nursing homes. So uh, this is all good news. So far, there have been 2,000 long-term care facilities are registered so they can start getting their residents vaccinated as soon as the vaccine arrives. So that's the plan. Healthcare workers, first responders, um, people who are vulnerable, like in nursing homes, let's get them vaccinated. Then the rest of them can get, go through that process as well. He said, our goal is to make all safe and effective COVID vaccines available to Florida, Floridians who want them. And here, this is a key that I just really respect the governor for this, but the state will not mandate that Floridians take these vaccines. That's going to be the choice of each and every Floridian. Isn't that reassuring? Governor DeSantis, he said to us, God bless you. We, I say to him, God bless him as well for great decision-making and leadership in his position as governor. Well, did you see yesterday's noon press conference by the Trump legal team? Rudy Giuliani and uh, Trump campaign held a press conference on Thursday afternoon, bringing forth a detailing of their exhaustive evidence of voter fraud and irregularities. Giuliani presented affidavits from voters and uh, poll workers from Pittsburgh, Philadelphia, Detroit, and other locations alleging outright fraud by election officials on behalf of the Biden-Harris ticket. He claimed that there were more than double the number of votes needed to overturn the election. Giuliani blasted the media, saying that they continually say there's no evidence of voter fraud and irregularities. They're holding up evidence in the form of affidavits and in his hands. He showed that if the media continues to report there's no evidence, they are lying, he said. He said the evidence was publicly available and could be reviewed by the press, and he would welcome the Biden team to cross-examine the witnesses to fraud. So just this morning, I checked out the news. Uh, I checked out CNN. Here's their headline, fact-checking Giuliani and the Trump legal team wild fact-free press conference. Fact-free press conference. Unbelievable. Here's from the New York Times. There, here's the uh, headline. Ruli Giuliani makes accusations of fraud the Trump team has failed to support in court. Well, of course they failed to support it in court because they haven't gone to court yet. What you saw, what he called the opening statement that we, they would make in the court. That's what he presented. He get uh, the information and the and the uh, affidavits and all the information. The evidence will pre be presented in court when they get there. So Giuliani offered evidence to show that 15,000 voters in Pittsburgh alone were disenfranchised of their vote and forced to vote via per provisional ballot when they arrived at their polling place. These voters allegedly were told that they already had voted by mail. Now, this is very curious. They come in to vote, and they said, no, I didn't vote. 15,000 of them. They, apparently somebody already voted for them. Giuliani alleged that, uh, as well, that the ballots were trucked into Detroit at 4.30 a.m. on election night to be counted after poll workers believed the Republican observers to be, uh, had left. He claimed that workers said that they were Biden ballots improperly packaged and without votes for any of the additional races. He said the votes were counted three times in some cases. I mean, this, this evidence is just overwhelming. Uh, attorney Sidney Powell spoke about concerns with regard to processing of ballots overseas. 
and communist money in the voting process, as well as specific allegations regarding voting machines and rigged algorithms. Here's our quote from uh, uh, Sidney Powell. She's terrific. President Trump won by a landslide, and we're going to prove it, and we're going to reclaim the United States of America for the people who vote for freedom, Powell said. There have been a number of issues since uh, the election that have been raised by the Trump campaign, which had prevented the election from being settled. Discrepancies in Wayne County, Michigan, home of that state's largest city, Detroit, have prevented the board of canvassers from certifying the results of the election. In Wisconsin, the campaign has requested a recount of both Milwaukee and Dane counties after concerns were raised as to the, uh, over the number of ballots cast against the number of registered voters. A recount is set to begin on Friday. By the way, in some cases, 350% of the eligible voters voted in some precincts. Many, over 100% of voters, voted in the precincts. So there's a lot of fraud going on. And uh, I'm just really happy that, uh, that uh, Giuliani, uh, Sidney Powell, and uh, Joe DeGeneva, and the others, uh, Jenna, and all the others on the, on the legal team are fighting this good battle against all odds. As you can see, the press misrepresents what's going on. He actually brought out proof and said, look at the proof. Here's proof. Here's an affidavit. You've actually gave the name of a person and said you could check it out yourself. No proof, they said. News media is, uh, he said basically uh, what's happening with the news media is as, as bad as the fraud perpetrated by the voters or by the uh, precincts in, in the, uh, across the United States. Unbelievable. And while, by the way, while testing has become more readily available since the coronavirus first struck in March, it's now going to be even more accessible from the comfort of your own home. The Food and Drug Administration just authorized the first coronavirus test that can be self-administered entirely at home. Well, here's my, here's my thought about this. Uh, frankly, they could have approved this a long time ago, but the CDC wanted to retain all the information about who's getting tested and what the results were. And if they allowed home testing, they wouldn't be able to capture that. So the narrative quite frankly, to continue uh, you know, more and more cases and so forth. It's, uh, quite frankly, it's disappointing to see the politics involved in medicine right now. So we're going to move on to uh, talk to William Yateman. He is a research fellow at the Cato Institute. Look forward to our discussion about the election cases. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company visit johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. Lifeinnaples.net is the website. All right, we're going to have more here on the Bob Harden Show. Whoops, i got to find my cursor here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. I'm Bob Harden, the host of The Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabees.com and stop by Lulabee's Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m., seven days a week. Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabee's Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Did you know St. Matthew's House operates the only emergency homeless shelters in Collier County? St. Matthew's House provided more than 500,000 hot meals to those in need last year, and since 2010, 527 men and women have graduated from the St. Matthew's House Justin's Place Addiction Recovery Program. For over 30 years, St. Matthew's House has provided innovative solutions to fight homelessness, hunger, substance abuse, and poverty in Southwest Florida. 
And you can help St. Matthew's House in this life-transforming work by patronizing the St. Matthew's House Thrift Stores, Cafe M25, Car Wash and Detailing Center, and award-winning catering operations. For more information, visit stmatthewshouse.org. That's stmatthewshouse.org. St. Matthew's House is a 501c3 not-for-profit organization and does not solicit government funding. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Golf Shore Playhouse, bringing you professional New York-style theater at its very best and preparing to build a brand new performing arts center in downtown Naples. You can find out more by visiting golfshoreplayhouse.org. Coming up, we're going to visit with Peter Wood, the author of 1620. Right now we have with us William Yateman, Research Fellow at the Cato Institute. William, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me on, Bob. Always a pleasure. And for our listeners' benefit, tell us about the Cato Institute. You bet. We're a think tank here in Washington, D.C., and we're dedicated to advancing the ideals of a free society at every level of government. Cato.org is the website, C-A-T-O.org. So um, did you see the uh, uh, Giuliani and uh, Sidney Powell and the others uh, giving, telling the story, quote-unquote, their opening statement about what's going to be happening with regard to the challenge of the election results? I did. I caught that. Um, and I'll say this, I, I'm, I'm somewhat, I'm very open-minded on these issues. And I think for the last two weeks, we've been talking about that. Yep. Um, but you know, an opening statement is done in a courtroom and right. it's done under oath and it's done under, under certain penalties. If, uh, the facts don't bear out or if there's no basis. Um, and I do wonder kind of the extent to which they're prosecuting this case in the public as opposed to presenting facts before the court. Yeah. Um, so it was, or I guess if you saw Tucker Carlson last night, I actually thought it was a pretty compelling show, but he, you know, he said I would have given my whole hour to air these allegations. Um, but the, there doesn't seem to be at this point, at least with some of the more extreme ones. And, and again, I've, I've defended on many times in the show, City Powell's very capable defense of Michael Flynn. Yeah. Um, but, you know, yesterday with the allegations about Venezuelan influence in the elections, and it seemed to diverge somewhat from Giuliani's, you know, pointing the finger uh, towards the U- Ukrainian elements. Um, so I, I didn't, I didn't think it was, um, I don't think it was a big win. I'll put it that way. Well, so it sounds like you're. Uh, it sounds so unbelievable. It's not credible. It's it's it it does sound. It's just so grand in yes. its scope. I know. Um, and and you know, I again, I'm I'm uh, I sort of again, I'll, I'll cite Tucker Carlson here. I have an open mind on UFOs. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I'm not you know beyond believing this sort of thing, but at some point, I want to see the rubber hit the road with evidence. Now, you know, and I totally agree with that. This has been my big worry all along. This is fraud on such a grand scale that it almost defies believability. And my concern is getting it in court will, will after jurors actually sit down and look at this and say, you know, I, all the facts are here, but I just can't believe it. <laughs> Potentially, I mean, I'd note this. We're, we're, it's a ticking clock. Um, it is highly unlikely that there would be time for a jury trial. So, so most of these... Um, decisions would be made before a judge, you know, on the bench um, at the various levels, you know, the courts and the state and federal system. And there are evidentiary thresholds that that, that the, the Trump administration, Trump election team would have to pass and survive. And so far, um, they haven't met with much success to that end. And I do, you know, again, I wonder, it does seem as though what they're arguing before courts in some instances is different than what they're presenting to the public. Um, you know, via that press conference yesterday, and I worry about that discrepancy. That's interesting. I, uh, to me, uh, to my knowledge, they really haven't gone to court. Uh, they've withdrawn the one case that they had in Wisconsin. They haven't really made any opening statements in any court yet. There have been some cases, but they weren't necessarily brought by, or they weren't, I will say this, at least Giuliani claims, they weren't brought by the Trump team. They were brought by other individuals. And he said they may not have even had standing. Maybe it was good that they got dis- their cases got dismissed. So, I'm not sure exactly what uh, what you're referring to, but there have been no opening statements yet. So, it, it to me, and maybe I'm sounding a little defensive about the Trump team because I do support Trump, but, but 
So in fair and full disclosure, but I just, uh, you know, frankly, if everything that Sidney Powell says is true, and she's an extremely credible jurist. I mean, she has a great reputation. She wrote this book about uh, uh, the prosecutors. I, I've forgotten the name now, but uh, con- conviction. What I've forgotten now, but it doesn't matter. She's just so, so credible. She doesn't. She doesn't make wild claims. And if she, what she's saying is so is true, it's well. Well, let's put it this way: no matter what happens in the election, somehow, some way, we have to have boundaries on how these elections are conducted so that they're going to be more credible and fair. I could not agree with that more. So, and when I was chuckling, please don't take. I wasn't trying to be offensive when I was chuckling at uh, your support for President Trump. I, I too have said great things about him, and I know that, and I wasn't, it yeah. wasn't that context. I was more your refreshing honesty. Yeah. Um, but I'll say this. Uh, we noted this two weeks ago. R- regardless of how the facts play out, this whole setup um, was amenable to perceptions of abuse or misperceptions of abuse. And, and by that, I mean uh, the way the vote count proceeded such that, you know, we spoke about this two weeks ago, such mm-hmm. these these have these these urban areas kind of associated with machine politics for a long, long time were the last ones to get their votes counted. Um, And it just looked horrible. And I think my colleague, uh, Ilya Shapiro, had made a great point that that early voting, late voting, let's try to avoid as much of that as possible in the Mm -hmm. future just because it it seems to come attendant with these sorts of uh, messes, if you will. Yeah, well, I would suggest uh, if anybody took a look at the Florida system, and I realize that hanging chads back in 2000, uh, Florida was a mess, but right now they've uh, cleaned up their act, and uh, quite frankly, the systems we have in place in Florida right now work extremely well. And unless somebody is trying to perpetrate fraud, which, quite frankly, I think the evidence is there that in some cases that they have in places like Detroit and uh, in Pittsburgh and in Philadelphia and other uh, Milwaukee, uh, unless they're trying to perpetrate fraud, I think Florida has a good system. Uh, here, here. I mean, as I recall, we had answers on Florida the night up. That's right. <laughs> and, you know, as, as I understand it, they also had early voting and whatnot. So I would love to see the Florida model. Um, go nationwide. Yeah, absolutely. Say, so, before I let you go, I just want to get your thoughts. I mean, uh, the the uh, president, the vice president, former vice president Joe Biden uh, says, hey, when I'm in office, uh, I'm going to unify us. What are your thoughts about that? It's, he's saying one thing, doing another. Um, certainly, that, that that was one great thing about Trump is that, that he did seem to say what he believed. But um, here, it's sort of like what Obama did with the hope and unity and then jamming a bunch of our left policies down our throat via the administrative state. Yeah. Um, we're seeing the same thing with Biden. He, he kind of announced the much fanfare, um, a unity platform, but he's staffing his transition team, which, again, their whole purpose is to gear up the machinery of government to pursue these progressive policies via executive order. But he's staffing them with a bunch of Obama holdovers, um, or not holdovers, but former Obama officials. So yeah. we sort of, the writing is on the wall. Um, to the extent that he, he plans on using executive power to achieve his ends. And I just, uh, it's disappointing that it only took a few days to, for him to belie all that unity stuff. Absolutely. Uh, William Yateman, again, research fellow at the Cato Institute. I genuinely appreciate your uh, commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me on, Bob. My pleasure, indeed. All right, coming up, we're going to visit with Peter Wood. Uh, Peter Wood is the author of 1620. We're going to do that and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Linda and myself. Blue Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining your choice of the popular Eden Bar, the intimate Courtyard Garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean Dining Room. 
enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere that includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round. Visit BlueProvenceNaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's BlueProvenceNaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. Shore Playhouse is passionately committed to enriching our cultural landscape by producing professional theater to the highest artistic standards and providing unique educational opportunities to folks in a spirit of service, adventure, and excitement. Over the past 15 years, the Playhouse has expanded immensely, outgrowing its current facilities. With dreams of expanding even further in order to better serve the community, broaden the economic impact, and strengthen the cultural fabric of our region, it's time to build and move into a new home. A 44,000 square foot state-of-the-art theater and education center will be built on three acres at the corner of First Avenue South and Goodlett Frank Road, allowing Gulf Shore Playhouse to achieve those dreams. To find out more about Gulf Shore Playhouse, this state-of-the-art performing arts center, and about the season's exciting productions, visit golfshoreplayhouse.org. That's golfshoreplayhouse.org. We'll see you at the show. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability, creating policies and programs to get able-bodied folks off of welfare and back to work. It's a moral imperative, and you can find out more by visiting the website, thefga.org. Coming up, we're going to visit with a, a congressman-elect Byron Donald, so just elected here in our area uh, US to U.S. Congress. Right now we have with us uh, Peter Wood. Peter is the president of the National... Association of Scholars and author of a brand new book, 1620, A Critical Response to the 1619 Project. Uh, Peter, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's my pleasure, Peter. And tell us uh, why you wrote the book, uh, 1620, A Critical Response to the 1619 Project. Well, the book came directly out of the day in which the New York Times published the what it calls the 1619 Project, which was August a year ago. Um, I read it that morning. It's a hundred pages of propaganda, and uh, decided that someone needed to respond. Uh, the next day, I called my staff together at the National Association of Scholars, and we laid out a, a plan to respond. Um, the book wasn't originally uh, part of that, but uh, within a few months, I realized that there was going to be plenty of material to turn into a larger account. Uh, so that's where this came from. It came from my outrage at seeing the New York Times present to the world, and especially to schools around the country, a false history of our country. Yeah, and I really appreciate it. Again, I, I personally read the book. I was uh, really, really grateful for your contribution to uh, what is being perpetrated, what I believe is being perpetrated as an attempt to reframe history. Tell us about the 1619 Project. What's it all about? Well, it's about race, but the main claim that it starts from was that uh, in August of 1619, a ship arrived at Jamestown, Virginia, and brought with it 20-some slaves, which, uh, according to the uh, principal editor and author of the project, Nicole Hannah-Jones, was the beginning of slavery in the United States, or what would become the United States. It's also the beginning of uh, racial oppression in the uh, soon-to-be country of the U.S., and that ever since that date, 400 years ago, now 401 years ago, America has been what she calls a slaveocracy. That is, the, the entire enterprise of the country, economic, social, religious, political, you name it, derives from the desire to oppress black people. Um, on that basis, which itself is pretty questionable, uh, she spins out a tale that includes turning the American Revolution into a, a plot to uh, uh, sustain slavery against British attempts to abolish it. 
which is completely made up, yeah. untrue. She treats the, the Civil War again as a, a plot to expel blacks from the United States. The uh, history of black-white relations comes down to a single theme of white suppressing blacks. There's no recognition at all of the role of whites in the abolition movement or uh, the civil rights movement and so on. Um, there's a lot to be said about each piece of this thing, and most of what needs to be said is that it's historically inaccurate. Mm -hmm. uh, starting with that idea that the slaves that were landed in Jamestown in 1619 were the beginning of American slavery. They weren't. Mm -hmm. uh, slavery was already in the New World before first Europeans arrived. And when Europeans did start bringing slaves in large numbers to the New World, it was to South America and Mexico and the Caribbean. Slavery in the British colonies in North America came very late. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, so that's it, the basic story. Yeah, and uh, of course, I, having read your book, you actually take each point of the 1619 project and actually uh, illustrate and review the history, the actual history that occurred. I was so grateful uh, that you had done that. Now, you, your book is called 1620, and of course, on uh, November the 11th, 1620, something very important happened, and that was uh, the covenant uh, from the people who arrived in uh, in uh, Cape Cod. Maybe you can tell us about it. Well, as you say, November 11th, we just passed the 400th anniversary of that. The Mayflower arrived off what's now Providence Town, uh, Massachusetts, and uh, they were in bad shape. They had intended to bring their 102 passengers, two-thirds of them religious dissidents and one-third of them just settlers, to Virginia. They were blown off course. They arrived in an unpromising locality at the beginning of winter. And the, uh, the secular passengers, the pilgrims called them strangers, decided that they were now outside English law and could do whatever they pleased. Uh, there were fights on board and the general chaos was about to descend. They decided before that they, they were going to disembark that they needed to reach some kind of agreement. So on that day, they came up with a charter just uh, short of 200 words long, which we call the Mayflower Compact. Mm -hmm. Now, why it's worth knowing about this, and every school child used to know about this, is that the Mayflower Compact is a kind of uh, uh, predecessor of the Declaration of Independence. It, it views this group of people as now self-governing, they're mm -hmm. going to elect their own leaders, they're going to form their own laws, they're going to treat one another equally, whatever their differences are. Uh, it sets out in a, a few words a vision of what they call a civic politics society, and uh, in that society we can see the, the germs, the very beginning of American independence and democracy. Uh, of course, lots of things happened between that and the Declaration of Independence 100 and, uh, what are, 156 years later. Yeah. But um, the, uh, it, it really was a very important beginning. And what happened at Plymouth as they made this uh, agreement into a, a reality was the, the model for American democracy. Yeah. It spread. Absolutely. And it's so interesting. It's much more significant than the 1619. So. Uh, the problem that I see, and why they think this is so urgent, is that uh, the 1619 project actually came along, came uh, along with a syllabus and curriculum in order to turn this into uh, education material for our public schools, our government schools. And to, to me, it's actually getting traction some places. It's unbelievable that it's already spreading. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I think it was part of the design from the start. The uh... New York Times teamed up with the Pulitzer Center, and in the last page of the uh, magazine where they laid this all out, the Pulitzer Center announced that it already had a curriculum and that this would be rolled out in the nation's schools. Uh, they recruited some 4,000 teachers right from the get-go to start teaching it, and they made this available as a kind of uh, module for teaching history classes at every level of mm -hmm. kindergarten through 12th grade. Um, 
it's been adopted in some districts as an official curriculum. Chicago did it, Buffalo, several other cities. Mm. Uh, we don't know at this point how many American school students are being uh, slotted into this false history of the U.S., but yeah. it's a safe guess that it's certainly in the tens of thousands, maybe the hundreds of thousands. Yeah, we got to pay attention. I, this goes right along with white fragility and some of the other things that are going on, quite frankly. What can we do to fix the 1619 Project's radical revision of history? Well, there's several things we can do. First of all, you've got to pay attention to your local school district, and you've got to be sure that the people who get elected to the school boards know about the 1619 Project and make sure that it's not part of their curriculum. Mm. You can't control what every single teacher does, but you can go a long way towards setting school policy that against this sort of nonsense. But I think maybe the more important thing is that parents can familiarize themselves with enough of a real American history and tell those stories to their children. Mm. I fear that our schools don't do a very good job at teaching basic American history. The stories themselves are fascinating. They're compelling. It's not a matter of learning long lists of dates and names of obscure people. It's learning just these wonderful accounts of human beings struggling against nature and all overcoming problems that seem insurmountable, but doing it well. And out of that, creating the nation, this nation, it, it's the nation that is the freest, most prosperous that's ever existed. And there's a reason for that. Yeah. Children should know it, and parents need to teach it to them. So well said. Again, uh, the 1620. A critical response to the 1619 Project. I've read it, and uh, if this uh, subject interests you, and it certainly should, all of us were taxpayers. We pay over a billion dollars a year for uh, Cuyahoga County Public Schools. Uh, we should understand what's going on. This is a real threat to proper education in our public schools. 1619, a critical response to the 1619 Project. Peter W. Wood, the author. Peter, I just genuinely appreciate your contribution to the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Well, thank you so much for having me. Bye-bye. My pleasure, indeed. By the way, I read uh, Of Plymouth Plantation by William Bradford, who ended up being the governor of uh, Plymouth uh, Plantation, and it is a remarkable story. His comments about stories is so important. All right, coming up, we're going to visit with Byron Donalds, our newly elected U.S. representative, that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harton Show here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. Do you or a family member suffer from chronic pain in your knees, hips, or shoulders? Joint pain can be a nagging and serious problem requiring expert and compassionate care. I know I'm Bob Harden, the host of The Bob Harden Show. Until 2006, I was suffering debilitating pain and deformity in my knees. I couldn't enjoy biking or golf or even sleep without chronic pain as a constant companion. Thanks to Dr. George Markovich and the professional staff at the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine, my pain is gone, and I'm back to doing the activities I enjoy with no pain. I have a lifestyle I can only imagine. Imagine prior to knee surgery, and you can too. Call the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. They will thoroughly evaluate your condition, provide personalized, state-of-the-art treatment, and help you relieve your pain and get back to your active lifestyle. At the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine, your care will be professionally managed through every phase of your recovery. For an initial consultation, call the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine, located off Tamiami Trail in Bonita Springs, 5399. That's 482-5399. You listen to The Bob Harden Show, so why not market your company to our loyal listeners? Ads are played live on each show and then archived so listeners can hear the show and your ad at their convenience. Each advertising package includes a banner on BobHarden.com with a link to your website at no extra charge. Join Lulabee's Diner, Johnson's Air Conditioning, Blue Provence, and many others who advertise on the show. Call me at 598 598- 3889, that's 598 3889, or send an email to bobharden at hotmail.com to design an ad program that's just right for your business and your budget. You'll be pleasantly surprised at the cost and the value. Several advertisers have been with me for years. Find out why by calling 598 3889 or send me an email to bobharden at hotmail.com. You'll be glad you did.
Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. A little shout out to Lulabee's Diner. I'm going to meet Andy Joppa there in just a little while. Looking forward to a great breakfast. They serve breakfast and lunch. And you can also get uh, Uber Eats, uh, get, get uh, delivery for breakfast or lunch as well again. Lulubee's Diner in the Green Tree uh, Shopping Center. Coming up, we're going to visit with Dave Beagle, the author of The Devil at Our Doorstep. Right now we have with us our newly elected U.S. Representative, Byron Donalds. Byron, thank you so much for joining us. Good morning, Bob. And tell Andy I said hello when you see him at breakfast. I certainly will. I enjoy Andy so much. And he does commentary weekly on the show. He's a great guest. And I'll pass that on. So, I, I, you know, I looked at some pictures on Facebook, uh, you and Erica up in Washington, D.C. Uh, tell us what's going on. So it was a member orientation this week. Or I should say the last 10 days. You know, Bob, one of the things I'll tell you is you know, I can see why we're so inefficient as a government. I mean, we stretched this thing out, you know, probably four or five more days than it needed to be for orientation. Mm-hmm. But it, yet and still, you know, we were up here for that, um, beginning to get acclimated to um, the job here in D.C., organizing an office, getting staff in place, uh, so on and so forth. And so, you know, we had a really good time doing that. Uh, but I got to tell you, the thing that was really disheartening is seeing Washington, D.C. boarded up. Um, and it, it was really surreal when I first got to town about a week ago, more than 10 days ago now. Um, storefront after storefront after storefront mm-hmm. just boarded up with plywood. Um, all over Washington, D.C. because of the fear of, frankly, of riots and massive and massive uh, looting, uh, depending on what happened in the presidential election. Yeah. And I think it is, a, it is probably the worst commentary that you're not going to see on MSNBC. You're not going to see it on CNN. But it is the truth about what's happened here, not in the nation's capital, but frankly, in many other cities around the country. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And of course, uh, we had this million-person march, the mega march in Washington, D.C., you know, and the, frankly, no violence. They're, they're extremely happy people. They're there to really celebrate, to support the president because he supported them. You know, there are millions of people, 70 million, 75 million people that feel exactly the way they feel. No violence, just happiness and a celebration, except for Antifa coming in uh, after the thing breaks up and creating some problems. Uh, you know, quite frankly, if and in fact, God forbid, Joe Biden becomes our president, there's going to be no violence on the right, none at all. Only, only if uh, uh, pres- if Biden loses, then you're going to see some problems. Well, Bob, let me tell you, I actually went out to the march. So the, the it passed right by uh, the the U.S. Capitol. Wow. We had many people from Southwest Florida. Yeah. Uh, people you and I both know for know for a very long time. They were up here for the march. People from all over the country. Some of the Capitol Police were estimating around half, about 400 to 500,000 people mm-hmm. in the march um, here peacefully. They left the place. When they left, it was clean. Yep. The Capitol Police, when I talked to them, they were just happy that people just like thanked them for their job as opposed to spitting at them and yelling at them. Yeah. And this is the difference in yeah. terms of who comes out to support President Trump mm-hmm. versus, versus the Antifa types that come out for their quote unquote protest for what they're really doing is sowing discontent, being disrespectful to our law enforcement, and really tearing up the place. Yeah. And it wasn't until you had these, these counter-protesters, if you will, these Antifa types come in, that's when violence erupted. Yeah. And like I said, you're not going to hear that on CNN. You're not going to hear that on MSNBC. All they want to talk about is, is concede, 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 and coronavirus. That's all they want to talk about. But they don't talk about the real issues going on. No, they don't. I, I don't know. You probably were busy more than I didn't have an opportunity to see really Giuliani and, it, and his team make their quote-unquote opening statement about the case to, uh, to uh, support the president and protect the rule of law in our election process. Uh, I went to uh, the mainstream media, CNN, New York Times, others, and, and just t- took a look at what they said about this whole thing. It's just unbelievable how inaccurate the reporting is. It's so, it's so disappointing to see the mainstream media stepping away from their actual duty to be in the fourth estate and to hold people accountable. And instead, they're simply running interference for Joe Biden. No, they, all they're doing now is pushing the narrative. They don't want anything to be followed up. They don't want any investigations. They want everybody to just say, like, well, because they called the race, that means the race is over. Mm-hmm. That's just not true. Yeah. Um, they call races based, based upon projections. The vote counts in these states have been very, very close. The president has cited irregularities. 
The president has cited ballots that should not be counted, and he's in court trying to get a, a just outcome. And the president should do that. And I think it's just important people are saying he should do that. You should never have a situation where a candidate for office who feels justifiably that they have evidence or that they can cobble that they should just shut up and sit down because the media said so. That's not their job. Their job is just to report the facts of what's going on. And the fact is, is that you have many of these evidence, quote unquote, it's still in the hands of these supervisor of elections in different counties in many of these states. And it's the president's legal team is trying to go about the process of acquiring that evidence. People are saying, oh, well, just bring your evidence forward. Well, first of all, Bob, you never give evidence to a reporter. That's stupid. You give evidence to a judge. Right. So I would never give evidence to one of these clowns. I would give it to the judge. That's number one. Number two, a lot of the things that the Trump campaign get is access to the information, mm -hmm. access so they can actually prove their case. Mm -hmm. And in order to do that, you need a judge's order to open up these ballots, to open up these different procedures at these local election offices so they can actually cobble together this evidence. But what the media is trying to do is disgusting, like they always do. They have a narrative. They have an agenda. They want Donald Trump out. They want him to just concede so all this goes away. And the president, and he's doing the right thing, is standing his ground. He is making sure every legal angle. And then when, when, elect, when votes get certified and he's exalted the legal process, we'll see what the outcome is then. Well said, Byron. Uh, on another note, now you're up there with, uh, I, I would imagine, uh, new uh, representatives, U.S. representatives uh, who will be serving in the in the next uh, sir in the next term. Uh, and by the way, great news! And we picked up. I think there are 27 contested seats, and we picked up all 27 of the Republican Party. So, uh, what's the mood up there? What are people thinking? Uh, it's and uh, you know, in terms of moving into the next legislative session. Well, I'll tell you right now, Nancy Pelosi's pissed. <laughs> you know, she's she's in trouble. Yeah. And the reason why she's in trouble is because. Uh, they lo they lost a ton of seats. Uh, we've gained we've gained more. We have the largest freshman class since t the Tea Party wave in 2010. Let's let everybody let's let that sink in. Yep. That's how many seats we've picked up here. Yep. Our class, this Republican class, is the most diverse uh, Republican incoming freshman class in the history of the Republican Party in Congress. Let's also let that sink in. Yep. So what you have is a bunch of people who come from different walks of life, like myself, um, much younger, much more vibrant, and are prepared to actually engage in, in the battle with the squad and Nancy Pelosi. That puts her in a bad spot. That's number one. Number two is that you have uh, moderate Democrats who have been primaried by the, the Justice Democrats led by, led by uh, AOC. So they're upset in their own caucus. Yeah. So we're, you know, as Republican members, we're walking around talking to each other like this is going to be the most fun we, we, that you will probably ever have in Congress because you have something where Nancy Pelosi has an incredibly slim majority and then her caucus is, is fractured yeah. because they have internal issues. We are united up here as Republicans. We know that the job here is to make sure that we put forward the agenda that the American people sent us here to put forward. And then the second part of that is making sure that we draw that contrast directly with Nancy Pelosi. And in the meantime, we have to go to Georgia and fight for two Senate seats to make sure we maintain control of the Senate. Yeah. So well said, Byron. You know, it's, I have to say there's a certain amount of irony saying the Republicans are united and that the, the Democrats are fractured. <laughs> They're usually speaking from the same songbook, so singing from the same songbook. So, Byron, I just genuinely appreciate you. I know you have such a busy schedule. I appreciate you taking your time to, to visit with our listeners. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me, Bob. You have a great day. God bless you guys. Everybody take care. Thank you, Byron. God bless you and your family, too. Thank you. All right, coming up, we're going to visit with Dave Bigo. He's the author of The Devil at Our Doorstep. We're going to do that and more right here on The Bob Harden Show on The Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of The Bob Harden Show here on The Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. have an extra auto you'd like to donate to charity? Maximize your tax deduction, support your favorite charity, and help a local child in need by calling Naples Auto Donation Center. Naples Auto Donation Center is a not-for-profit licensed car dealer. Just call NADC at 692-9840 and they'll take it from there. You get a properly documented tax deduction for whatever the vehicle actually sells for, 
Your designated beneficiary charity gets half the profit after fix-up costs, and the net revenue generated by NADC goes to Friends of Foster Children to provide tutoring and other enrichment activities for foster children the government doesn't provide. And NADC is also one of the few places in Collier County that sells inexpensive cars that actually run to folks who would otherwise not be able to afford one. It's a real win-win. Call Naples Auto Donation Center at 692-9840 or visit the website nadckids.com. You'll be glad you did. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Gulf Shore Playhouse, bringing you professional New York-style theater at its very best. The website is golfshoreplayhouse.org. We have with us Dave Beagle. As I mentioned before the break, he's the author of The Devil on Our Doorstep. It's the uh, story of uh, being assaulted by union bosses over the course of two and a half years and their book of dirty tricks. You just can't believe what you're... It's a, it's a, it's actually reads like a thriller. I encourage everybody to read The Devil at Our Doorstep. Uh, Dave Beagle, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Yeah, Bob, and people should read my book because it tells exactly what's going on in this country today. And, uh, you know... I know we want to talk about the elections, but the other thing that I'd like people to do is I'd like them to go to my website and read my, my blog, The Great Pretender Once Control, which I wrote in uh, November 2nd of 2015. And um, it talks about Obama and uh, the things that he wanted to do and how it, it uh, coincides with all the things that big labor and the left are trying to do in this country today. And because I outlined them uh item by item yep. and you know and i talked to them uh, you know some of the top things i said they're narcissists they have no concept of capitalism free market work uh even if they care they utilize defamation pressure intimidation misinformation uh, misdirection bribery jealousy and other malicious tactics to achieve their goals they prey upon the innocent naive with the promise of social justice they are hypocritical in their actions it's always do as I say, not as I do. They'll run over a friend or foe to accomplish their agenda. As the ends always justify the means. They yeah. believe in redistribution of wealth as it eliminates jealousy, makes people the same and easier to control. And they attempt to divide the American people by race, gender, and sexual preference. And they believe in socialism, communism, totalitarianism, a one world order, and fundamentally transforming America. Yeah, absolutely. And those words ring true today. If we just take a look at what's going to happen. In fact, if Joe Biden were to get into office, it's just really depressing. I had a guy on from the he wrote a book called 1620. It's about the 1619 project. That's just one small, small niche, but critical niche in public education, government schools and held a tra- trying to transform history. You mentioned labor unions. I mean, in fact, in fact if he gets in, you're going to ha- have an effort to try and uh, get rid of right-to-works in, in right-to-work states. You're going to have an effort to unionize everybody, uh, and they'll be behind it. So uh, that's just two small things in this whole agenda. It's going to overturn our international uh, uh, diplomacy and how we're working with uh, China and what we're doing there, just, it, it just on so many fronts. Well, it's it's a, it's a matter of control, and um, you know Biden. He even on TV he says, "I want everybody to be unionized," and um, mm-hmm. the unions are behind this, and uh, and uh, you know because they've donated so much money to the Biden campaign and the Democratic campaign, and I even believe that some of these big tech companies uh, behind the scenes, um, you know, they've unionized people in these big tech, you know, their workers and stuff like that. And they've gone to these big tech people and say, you better support Biden and the Democratic Party, because if not, we're going to come after you and we're going to go after your advertisers and we're going to tear you down. Now, you think if you think what Dave is saying is, is fiction, he's not making it up. You read his story. It's just unbelievable. The dirty tricks that these these uh, union bosses from SEIU played uh, uh, with Dave, his customers, uh, his workers, their families, uh, Dave himself and his family. It's just unbelievable. Uh, what they'll stoop to in order to try and get their way. By the way, Dave prevailed. That's a, that's the end of the story. Is that they finally just went away like rats on a sinking ship, and uh, Dave prevailed. And uh, for the most part, has uh, uh, his pe- workers don't unionize, and, and the reason for that is because uh, he pays them well, and they're happy. Yeah, we try to do the right things, and uh, you know we're not perfect. Nobody is, but we try to do the right things, and. Uh, we give people opportunities, and uh, we give people opportunities to move up to uh, uh, 
the company in life too, yeah. you know. And uh, you know, those are things I think good companies need to do. And um, but uh, let me let me just uh, do a little bragging about you, Dave. Dave's business is uh, the uh, executive management services with over six thousand employees in over thirty states. I mean, he's he's got a, a big big business, and he grew it from a mom and pop thing. He and his wife started years ago. How many years ago? What Dave was it? Thirty-one years ago. Thirty-one years ago, started with uh, no employees and uh, working out of his bedroom or probably his office in his house, and uh, ended up running a major business here in the United States. So it's a great success story, and I just encourage everybody to read uh, "The Devil at Our Doorstep." So I want to get your thoughts on on where we stand right now with the election. What are you thinking right now? Well, I'm concerned because I think that um, some of these um, judges in that, um, I think they're either being intimidated or they're just looking the other way and they're not willing to, um, you know, push ahead Trump's um, um, uh, agenda and the things that he's, uh, uh, lawsuits he's bringing. Yeah, I mean, the the whole thing is so massive, it's so big that even when you look at the facts, it's, it's almost unbelievable. We're talking about... We're talking about total corruption across the United States in terms of our voting process. Well, that's exactly right. And, um, you know, I've got, uh, you know, I get articles from people all over the country and places, but, uh, you know, from the Arizona Freedom Alliance um, this past week, uh, earlier this week, uh, the the top of the article was, boom, the Dominion programmer told Antifa he would ensure Trump does not win. Oh, yeah. And, and, um, this, uh, you know, Antifa was started by George Soros and the SCIU behind the scenes. Right. And, um, you know, they're, I know they're involved in all this stuff across the country and continue to be involved. I think even with uh, going after the judges and, you know, the courts and everything like that uh, to stop them from overturning and, uh, and looking at these ballots and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And uh, that's the sad thing. But, um we need the American people to stand up and uh, be strong and and push back and say, you need to check all these ballots, especially these mail-in ballots, because that's the other thing I was going to tell you. You know, the unions uh, went to mail-in ballots many years ago uh, when they're trying to unionize uh, an employer's employees Yeah. Um, instead of having them. Uh, and they tried to do that to me, too, instead of having them, um, you know, come in and go to you know, in the building and, and go in and do it at the the uh, polling station. And um, the reason they do that, Bob, is because they go to these people and they, you know, they call them home and they get them together and say, no, here, let us fill those ballots out for you and let's, we'll send them back in. Yeah, unbelievable. Again, The Devil at Our Doorstep is the name of the book. I encourage you to read it. Now, there is a website, thedevilatourdoorstep.com. Websites you can visit. You can get the book at a nice discount at my website, bobharden.com, and of course at all book purveyors across the United States. Dave, you got a great story, an inspiring story, and uh, just really appreciate your efforts to help preserve freedom here in the United States and uh, keep us informed on what's going on in big labor. Thanks so much for joining us. Well, I appreciate it, Bob. Just one thing, real quick. Uh, I told you about the union balloting thing. They tried to get us to do mail-in ballots too, and I would not do it. Yeah, and uh, because I believe that uh, there would you'd be crime behind the scene in that. Yeah, and they really didn't like it. But when we did the mail-in ballot, um, uh, we won by a big majority. Wow, Dave! Again, the devil out of no. I mean, when we did the polling ballots, yeah, we won by a big majority, not the mail-in. Gotcha. And we let them do mail-in in a small area just to see what would happen, uh-huh. and it went the other way. So we know the mail-in ballots were a corrupt thing. Yeah, certainly it's been proven here in the national election. Thanks so much for joining us, Dave. Thanks for having me on, Bob. Appreciate My pleasure, it. indeed. Well, that's a wrap here in today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. I certainly did. Always appreciate your comments and thoughts. Uh, you can send me an email at bobharden at hotmail.com, bobharden at hotmail.com. If you'd like to get on the distribution list for my newsletter, I send out after each show again. Bob Harden at Hotmail.com. By the way, if you like the show, tell your friends. I just uh, I appreciate seeing the numbers grow on the pa- podcasts that are posted. Uh, you know, that, those numbers are going up as well as on my website. So thank you so much uh, for joining us. Hope you uh, tune in on Monday. Mark Schulman, the founder and publisher of HistoryCentral.com, will be joining us. Larry Reed, the professor emeritus of the Foundation for Economic Education. 
And Jim McTagg, former Barron's Washington Bureau Chief and author of several books, his latest, Follow the Leader, and its sequel, uh, Shake the Money Tree, uh, as well. I hope you make it a great day and weekend on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste. Thanks so much for listening to the Bob Harton Show on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharton.com. 